Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you for listening today to Hope Along the Journey podcast. We welcome you, our listeners, to today's episode that I think is going to be one that you're going to truly benefit from. It's a joy to have with me. Well, where are you at, Matt, by the way, in the world? You're out in the, is it Montana? I'm in North Nebraska? Dakota this week. Well, I was close. I was, I was <laughs> least in the West, wasn't I? <laughs> well, we're glad to have yeah. you by way of Zoom joining us today. Um, Matt Murray is a good friend of mine. He works for a company called Advance Farm Equipment, and this is a potato harvesting machinery company. So I'm going to let, Matt, I'm going to let you explain to our listeners just exactly what you do. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm the salesperson for them. I cover the entire country, and um, I do a fair amount of traveling right now, but we manufacture uh, self-propelled potato harvesters, um, high volume, big stuff, and, uh, and then all the equipment that goes along with harvesting potatoes. And... Uh, so they uh, keep me pretty busy running all around the country talking to <laughs> potato farmers. So are are you? Can we say you are the the Mister Potato Face of the of the business? Is that kind of? <laughs> you know what? I I would not be opposed to that Mister Potato Face. I think he can change things about himself pretty quickly. So <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, Matt, it's so good to have you. And uh, your wife's name is Missy, and yes. you all live in Six Lakes, Michigan. And Correct. It's just so good to have you. Matt, I asked you before the program started, I told you I was going to ask you this question. So that is this. What is the little known fact about Matt Murray that is kind of your claim to fame? Well, uh, many of you would know my brother, Lee Murray, uh, who is a a musician and he plays the piano and sings and Mm -hmm. a a lot of people would know him. And uh, I, I would say the little known fact about me is I taught him his first song on the piano. Um, it was Yankee Doodle. And um, he pretty much mastered that right away. Yeah. yeah. And moved on from there. I'm still stuck at Yankee Doodle. And uh, <laughs> he's actually got a, a more of an illustrious career in music than I've had. So. Yeah, I can't wait to see Lee. Lee is an uh, he's an amazing pianist, but I can't wait to oh, see yeah. him because I didn't know that until tonight. And uh, next time I see him, I'm going to ask him to play a rendition of Yankee Doodle for me. And does this make because it could be that he's forgotten it. And you still remember how to, <laughs> you could be one up on him, Matt. You could be. Uh, you know, I might. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough nonsense, Matt. We need to get to what we need to talk about here sure. today. And I had, we had, we've been dodging one another for some time and I'm glad we, fi- <laughs> we finally yes. connected. Yes. And I told you sometime back, I wanted you to share your story, a story of God's remarkable grace that worked in your life. But I, I want to kind of go back, though, and I, I kind of like to set a little bit of a background 
for our listeners to know more about you. So tell a little bit about your background and early life growing up. I, uh, I grew up a family of five kids and a mom and a dad that were about as stable as you could imagine. My dad had the same job for, he retired from after 43 years and seven months. And, um, my, my mom, uh, raised us kids at home. And then, uh, when my baby sister went to, uh, school, my mom went back to college and became a nurse. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I was just raised in a very, very wholesome home. I mean, we, uh, we went to the church, went to church from the time I was little, I was raised very right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, my siblings were, every one of us are serving the Lord. And, um, which, which I think is a testament to, uh, to parents. Right. Um, yes, it is. And, uh, I went to, uh, Christian day school for most of my, most of my, uh, K through 12. I did graduate from public school. I went to last two years, uh, my junior and senior year, mm-hmm. um, and graduated from a public school, but that was about my, my exposure outside of the church and church youth mm-hmm. group. Um, but that, yeah, that, that's, uh, my, my story makes no sense, mm-hmm. um, to, to a lot of folks because I had every reason to not turn out the way that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, um, I, I didn't react to life the way that I, I should have. And, uh, um, extreme pain will do things to people. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, okay, Matt, I understand. I know this is sometimes difficult to talk about when you especially reflect on, yeah, it's like those things all of a sudden come back almost to the very present, don't they? Some of those they, they do, pain. they do. But um, you said, but you're right. Sometimes we don't react properly to pain, and it appears that that probably was part of what caused your life to start spiraling down. It, it was, you know, I when I was uh, in my late teen years. Um, graduated high school and, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to work and, um, um, ended up meeting a, a girl from the church and, uh, we, we were married. Uh, we were married for about 12 years and, um, things went south mm-hmm. and, uh, we ended up, ended up divorcing and it was through the divorce that, um, I, I realized I was not equipped to deal with pain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I'm saying here, I, 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 a couple of things I want to make clear. I made bad choices. Sure. sure I, I, I would not, I'm not blaming, I would, I'm not blaming God and I'm not blaming the church and I'm not blaming my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all played our part. And I played, I played my own role in my own demise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to talk about things in regards to how I felt 
Right. Now, my feelings do not necessarily reflect reality. Mm-hmm. So when I say that this is how I felt, please understand I'm not implicating anyone for in, anything that sure. may have happened. That makes perfect um, sense, man. Um, when, uh, when I went through the divorce, I, I was at that time, we were fairly active in our church. Mm-hmm. Um, some things happened, um, of which I was, uh, I was not an innocent party. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for my role, I take a hundred percent of responsibility for that. Um, but, but no relationship falls apart one-sided that's true it it takes two and it takes two to put it together and um the 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 loss and the pain that that was associated with losing my family was was really more than i could handle um Mm -hmm. i i felt like at the time i really felt like um my church didn't know how to handle divorce. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they, a lot of times they very well intentioned and they, they want to come beside you and hold your hand and pray with you and tell you it's going to be okay. And that, that's like a bucket of water on a burning house. You know, that's just, it, it, that's not, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I didn't, I never, I didn't start drinking because, um, because I wanted to party or because I wanted a, an illicit lifestyle. I started drinking because I couldn't handle pain. Yeah. I understand. And, um, you know, right at first, it, you know, it'd just be a few beers here and there and, mm-hmm. you know, take the edge off. Well, then that, that edge got deeper and deeper and it mm-hmm. took more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an eight year run where um, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but I, at least five days a week, I would, I would drink myself to the point of intoxication. Um, I, I was a functioning alcoholic. I'd get up and go to work, but I couldn't deal with pain. Right. And I, I couldn't deal with the loss. I couldn't deal with what happened. And the only thing that I could do was keep myself numb. Yeah. And so I, I did. And it took more and more and more. Um, because, and you can't numb yourself on one level. You numb yourself to everything. That's an excellent point. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I look at... Um, I, today, I have a, a great relationship with my children but I was awful to him. Not because I wanted to be mean, but because while I was drinking, I was incredibly selfish. It really was about how I felt and how, how I hurt. And I, you know, there's, there's just no consideration. There's no room in, in, in an alcoholic's life for anybody, anybody but themselves. Mm-hmm. That's hard to and, see it when you're on the inside of it, where you were with all the pain and loss. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. It was very, I'm sure it was probably now looking back, you see that very clearly. But at the time, all you were trying to do was to drown out the pain. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then there's a lot of stuff that comes along with drinking. Um, 
you get yourself numb from the pain, you also numb yourself from a lot of morality. Mm-hmm. And you start living a lifestyle that is not, it, it's not what you know. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know better than, to, or I did. I knew better right. than to live the way that I was. Um, but over the course of time, um, I ended up in a place where I, I, I that, that's not where I started. Mm-hmm. That's where I ended up. Right. You know, and um, I, I hurt, I hurt my kids a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was distant. And um, anything that I would do for them was more self-serving than it was for them. You know, it really come down to a lot of it had to do with how I felt. Mm -hmm. And um, it feels like such a contrast now because I I look back at who I who I was then. Yes. And Mm -hmm. look at myself through the lens of what God's done in my life. And I feel like I'm a stranger to myself. I don't, you know, I, it, it's such a contrast. It's not, you're not but, the man you used to be. Oh, thank God. No. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they're sure. So, you know, I want to, I, I want to just, I don't want to stay there too long, but I do want to make sure. a, a point about something you said, because I think a lot of people don't realize that divorce, how much grief and loss are associated with divorce as much or more so than when you lose somebody to death. I mean, we think about, oh, you lost your loved one, but with divorce, it's grief and loss as well. Not only the the loss of what was, but what could have been, should have been, might have been. You just couple it all together, and it is like a living grief and loss that just doesn't seem to go away, does it? Well, and in some, and I I don't, I can't say this objectively because I've I've lived through divorce Mm -hmm. and I haven't lived through the, the loss of a, uh, of a spouse through death, mm-hmm. but in some ways it would seem like it would nearly be worse mm-hmm. because you know, when, when, when somebody dies, you, you have a service, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have a, you know, you have a funeral, your family right. all gathers around you. You're t- typically not carrying around a ton of guilt mm-hmm. for, for their death. It, it's horrible circumstances maybe, but they probably weren't your fault, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, and, and you're not faced with that person again and again, mm-hmm. and you don't have to hear what, what's going on in their life in your absence, True. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and so it, it's a death that it, yeah. it just continues to die. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit. So, this went on how many years again did you say this went on? Eight, eight years. Eight years, Matt. Wow. Yeah. So what was going on during that time? Did you have moments where you sensed God trying to get a hold of you? Did did you you talk about being numb to so many things? Did you feel numb to God as well? Or were well, there moments when you had felt those breakthroughs where all of a sudden you sensed that God was still calling you back? I wanted to change about, about, uh, about six years in, um, I, 
I recognized that I have moments of lucidity, I guess, mm-hmm. where, where, um, you would, you would, I, I found it with my, with my kids, my, my kids would say something to me and it would hurt, mm-hmm. um, because they could see my selfishness and they could see the way that I was and they loved me enough to be honest with. Me. And, um, they might bring something up and that would be maybe a moment where I would recognize that something had to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I wanted to, but I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. How, how do you change what you do every single day of your life? Mm -hmm. You you've picked up all these habits that Mm -hmm. go along with it. You know, right. and, and you've right. picked up a lifestyle. You're not talking about changing a behavior. You're talking about changing a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it's overwhelming. And you're already overwhelmed because of the of, because of the loss and the pain and, and all this. So so you, you look at, yeah, that, that'd be neat. That's like saying, mm-hmm. I also want a Lamborghini, you know, yeah. but <laughs> the same odds. I see what you're saying, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and um so yeah, there there were moments to answer your question. There were moments that that I that I knew that I wanted to change. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think is is significant and important is through the through everything, I never blamed God for what happened to me. I I, I didn't blame him for my, you know, for uh, for what happened in my marriage. Mm-hmm. I didn't blame uh, him for. Um, the p- predicaments that I got myself into. Right. Um, no, it, I, I never, I, I can never, I can honestly say I never felt any t- type of bitterness or anger or resentment towards God at all. Um, and this is where it gets a little tough. I felt like he was distant mm-hmm. and that I, that he, even if I wanted to change, I couldn't. And even if, mm-hmm. even if there was a way that um, I could make that connection with God, mm-hmm. I, I knew that I would disappoint him because I was, the whole time this is all happening, I'm learning who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, my name is Matt and I'm an alcoholic, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's who, that's who Matt became when Matt made all the decisions in his life. Mm-hmm. And the, the desire, the desire to change, um, the devil really fights us there because, you know, he wants to, he wants to exploit those those insurmountable odds, you know, and the, the, the yes. difficulty that it would be. You can't. I mean, yeah. if there's anybody <laughs> listening to this and they, you think that, yeah, well, I can just change. Well, sorry, reality check. You can't. No, Mm-mm. you can't do it. Yeah, but I can tell you. Change can happen. Amen. That's right. That's right. And, you got um, you have to put grace in that equation if you don't 
Oh yeah. There's, there's no change. A lot of people will just be forever caught in an endless loop that just keeps spiraling down and we're all longer and longer through life. Was there, what was kind of like that turnaround moment for you that, that helped you to see that, that there was a bend in the road, that there was an exit ramp where you could begin this journey to becoming the person you know you wanted to become? Well, I tell you, the, the God in his infinite wisdom and mercy um, allowed me to get a DUI. That's the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> You know, I, I've I heard said, that before. Yeah, I, I, I've heard <laughs> that before. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear hear about this. So, um, I got a DUI, and I'm, uh, you know, they t- they take you to a basically a drunk tank or a, a mm-hmm. you know a cell to wait it out. You know, so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there in <laughs> in this uh, holding cell with a guy on my left hand side. There's three of us in there, and a guy on my left hand side, he uh, he had gotten. Uh, See, so he was there for a public intoxication. He had uh, he had been arrested being out in public, uh, intoxicated. Right. And uh, but it was his second offense. He had had a DUI before, so it was still considered a drinking offense. So he knew he was in some trouble. Mm-hmm. And there's this guy on the right side of me, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. Um. He said, well, I'm all right. He says, I've had three DUIs and they didn't catch me in the car this time. So I'm fine. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm drunk, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> you, they've got you, dude, right. you're here, you know? <laughs> and I, I remember listening to that and that, that thought going through my head, that I'm drunk and not stupid. And then, then it hit me and it hit me as hard as hard as anything has ever hit me. And I said, this is my peer group. Wow. This is who this, wow. this is who I associate with. And I, at, at that moment, I prayed the most honest prayer I have still ever prayed in my life. I said, Lord, I'd like to tell you, if you get me out of this, that I'll do what's right. But you and I both know I'd be lying to you because I can't. But God, if you'll forgive me for what I've done and you'll help me, I promise every chance I get, I'll tell what you've done. <laughs> That's and, beautiful, Matt. That's beautiful. And in that, in, in, in an absolute instant, um, Mark, I've never had a drink since then. That moment, I, I, I've never had a desire. I've, I've, God absolutely delivered me in a moment. He doesn't do that for everybody. Sure, I understand. But he did it for me, and I'm forever grateful. Hmm. And, um, you know, through the years, I've, from my desk at work, I've shared my testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to exaggerate, but I probably between 75 and hundred times. And I've, I've been able to tell what God has done in my life and, and his transforming power. That's beautiful. 
That and is. then a, a, a grace that is so great that we can't, mm-hmm. we, we really don't understand grace very well. And we certainly don't talk about it enough. My God, God absolutely uh, delivered me from alcohol. Um, he did not deliver me from all the consequences of the action of the, my previous actions had brought about. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had to, I had to deal with the, with uh, the court system and, and mm-hmm. all the stuff that comes along with that. And of course that, that's been some years ago now. And, mm-hmm. um, um, but God has been so faithful and so good to me. That's fantastic. Um, I, I think one of, one of the other things I really want to talk about for just a minute, um, al- along with drinking, I, I, I was a smoker mm-hmm. and I remember about six months after I had stopped drinking, I was sitting in my chair having devotions and um, I had just gone out on my deck and smoked a cigarette and I came back inside and sat down. And that's probably the first time that I ever felt angry with God. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with him that went just like this. I said, Lord, it's not fair. You delivered me from alcohol, and I have zero desire to drink. And I'm thankful, don't get me wrong. But I am addicted to smoking just the same, and I can't stop. Mm -hmm. If you can deliver me from drinking, you can deliver me from smoking. And, you know, I can't say that God audibly spoke to me because I don't, I just, I don't think that that's accurate. But he has a way of getting his point across at times that he might as well have. Yes. And what he told me was, man, I, yeah, I could, but I'm not gonna, because uh, you need to know the difference between my deliverance and my help. Mm-hmm. And so God walked with me along that journey too. Wow. And it took That's me, incredible. it took me about six months mm-hmm. and, and I had to put in the work there. I mean, that was, <laughs> honestly, that was tough. <laughs> so now you feel you, you've, you've got both ways. You know what it's like for God in a moment to deliver you, yes. but you also know what it's like for the people that God says, it's going to be a journey, but I'm going to journey with you. Yes. And, and you're, it's it, going to be some tough, tough miles ahead. And, and yeah. the significance to that today is this. You could set in front of me all the alcohol that I used to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it, it really does not have any appeal to me. I, I just, just mm-hmm. I, I'm, I feel neutral to, towards it. I, I don't I don't have a draw to it. But if I'm walking down the sidewalk or something and I smell somebody smoking a cigarette, I am immediately drawn to that. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, I'm very thankful for that because that's a constant reminder to me of that conversation that when God told me mm-hmm. that He was going to walk with me through this journey and I was going to know the difference between His deliverance and His help. And I tell you, I need them both. Amen. That's right. That's right. So what were there some, what were support systems that came along? I mean, I know God delivered you instantaneously, but what were things that you kind of began to incorporate in your life? Because I talked to a lot of people who move out, who, when they come out of alcoholism or some other type of addiction, they oftentimes look for support groups or help or yep. the church or what. What were some of those support structures that may that were in your life then, maybe are still in your life today? 
Well, um, I still attend AA. I'm okay. still an act, I'm still okay. active with that. Um, and these days, I don't go so much for my own benefit. Um, I mean, I don't feel like if I miss a meeting that you know I'm going to start mm-hmm. drinking again. Um, but there are people that are, um, you know, when you're six months into the program or you're you're three months sober or you're mm-hmm. your first meeting, you need to see some people. You need to see some success. You need to see mm-hmm. somebody right. that that see what that looks like. See what mm-hmm. six years sober looks like, or you know, the next month I'll be celebrating. On, on the 21st, I'll be celebrating seven years. And you need to see those things. You need to see those successes along the way. Matt, that is so awesome. Seven years. Wow. You know, one of the things on a side note that I always loved is anytime I would see you and I would ask how you're doing, you would tell me exactly how, how many years and months and all it'd been. It's like, man, that guy keeps, he's a walking record. It's been so many years, da, 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 da. And that is just incredible what God's done for you, Matt. Well, I, I'm I'm so thankful for for uh, what what God has done. It, it's mm-hmm. been a journey, um, yeah. I, you know. And I, I've I, one other thing I wanted I want to touch on, Mark. Talking about support systems, my mm-hmm. my parents have been gold. Um, they've been extremely supportive uh, mm-hmm. from the from the beginning all the way through, you know, I really thought I, I really thought a lot of people didn't know what my, that I had a problem, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my drinking days, mm-hmm. you know, you, you think that you think that you're sly and everybody else is <laughs> apparently stupid. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> that's just one more lie we believe, isn't it? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you know, about six months before I sobered up, um, my, my parents church, um, was having prayer meetings for specific needs. And my, my mom, I, I was on my mom's heart mm-hmm. and my mom, <laughs> my mom decided instead of praying for me to get sober or to stop drinking or to change my behavior, my mom said the Lord laid on her heart that rather than praying that way, that she should pray that God would help me to, so that the, the things that were important to God were important to me. Mm-hmm. Don't pray for my deliverance. Pray for a radical transformation in, in a life where the deliverance is a byproduct. That's great. And mm-hmm. um, so my, my mom did. And they had, uh, they were having in-home, I, I didn't know this, but they were having like in-home prayer meetings for me. And I mean, I lived there and didn't know it. You know, I, at that time I was staying with my parents. <laughs> That's great. All this, all this stuff going on. And yeah. I, mean, I had no, I, yeah. I had no, I was kind of oblivious to it all, but, um, my, my mom and my dad both, mm-hmm. uh, really rallied, really rallied around, especially in those early those real early days when mm-hmm. things were, were real fresh and um, they were a, a huge, huge support. That's great. And continue to be, mm-hmm. you know, your mom and dad are great people. I, I love your All mom and dad. Yeah. They're just rock solid. Wonderful, yep. wonderful people. 
Yep. Well, Matt, I deeply appreciate you taking some time here this evening to share this story. It it's touched my heart. It's also given me some new perspective. Um, so let's say you're talking to that person out there who's where you were at one time. What what would be the elevator speech? What would be that coffee shop word you would want to give to them as they say, you know, I'm I don't know even know where to begin. I don't I don't even know how to change my life. Just what would what would be just some things you would want to just personally say to that person? I think the first thing I would say to them is um your best thinking got you where you're at today. Mm-hmm. Um don't try to do it. You, you need to turn your, your will over to God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he will, he'll lead you in the direction you want to go. Mm-hmm. Or in the direction he wants you to go. And you'll want to go there because he's with you. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, honestly, I would keep it just about that simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If if an alcoholic's not ready to hear, um, if if they're not ready to hear about deliverance and they're happy mm-hmm. with where they're at, they're probably going to stay there. They're going to have to hit the bottom. Yeah, prodigal and, almost has to end up in the pig pen before he suddenly has that come to himself moment and says, "I need to rise. I need to get back home to father's yes. house." Yes. So, well, Matt, go ahead. I want to hear. I I just want to say one more thing. You know, alcohol took a lot of things from my life. Um, I've taken a lot of things from my life, but since I've turned my life back over to God, He's given me back far more than I lost. I feel a little bit like like Job, you know, Job mm-hmm. had had those times in his life when he lost absolutely everything and then then God turned it back around and gave him everything back plus. Yes. And and I I I feel very very blessed and very thankful mm-hmm. that uh that God has done a work in my life. He's changed me. Um I I, I don't I don't carry the you know the feelings of bitterness that used to drive mm-hmm. a lot of that, that uh, a lot of that vehicle <laughs> that that uh, made drinking a good option for me. That bitterness is gone. You know, I look at the people in my life that hurt me the most, and um, I hope, I I genuinely hope that those people can someday encounter the Jesus Christ that I, I did. I hope that someday yeah. they get they get so much grace in their life that it changes them to the to the point that uh, they they can't behave the way that they have That's awesome. and uh i i genuinely genuinely thankful for for just god's great grace in my life amen amen well matt so good to have you on the podcast today and, and on a side note please tell missy we said hello i will do uh, that let her know you did a great job let, let... <laughs> Because I'm sure she probably she, want to listen to it. <laughs> she, yeah, she might listen to it. So we want to make sure we say hi, Missy. You know, and all kinds of kudos, right? So, they, so thank God for 
for what he's done for you and for what he's doing in your marriage and in your life and in your just I think the rest of your life is definitely going to be the best of your life by the grace of God. And I'm thankful for that. Listeners, thank you for today for listening to the Hope Along the Journey podcast. I hope that today's podcast has been an encouragement to you, or it may very well be that someone you love or care about deeply is indeed ensnared in some some kind of habit that holds them fast. Maybe this would be a good podcast to share with them and let them listen to Matt's testimony of God's grace in his life. Again, Matt, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. It's been a joy. And listeners, as I always say and mean from the very depths of my heart, Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world, and if you look to him, he will help you find hope along the journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about hope along the journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.